Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. It's such a great thing to be in the presence of God's people and our wonderful friends this evening. And thank you again for inviting us on this special weekend. I want to say to Pastor and Sister Dawn McGee, amen. Lord bless you, Sister Pastor, amen. You know, we had that dilemma when I uh, took our uh, dad's church. Uh, they had always called him Brother Aldrich, my mother, Sister Aldrich. So what do you do with the new pastor? What do you do with the new pastor's wife? Well, they call my wife Sister A, and they most often call me Brother Aldrich now, but it was pastor for a while. Amen. We're so glad to be in this place, and thank you so very, very much for your kindness to us, Pastor, and allowing us to come. Amen. You have honored me by allowing me to stand in your pulpit, and I promise you I do not take this lightly. Uh, this is this man's pulpit, and he allows me here tonight, and I'm under his authority. Amen. And I sincerely mean that. I appreciate that for him to share uh, with me uh, to be able to speak and minister to this great church and this great people. I've heard so many wonderful things and revival fires are breaking out in Mount Carmel and I am not surprised, not in the least. Amen. You've got a great pastor, great pastor's wife and of course a great bishop and bishop's wife. Amen. Where would we be without our forefathers, our elders? And we're so grateful to God for them. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And we, we count them among our dearest of friends. Amen. I told Brother McGee, I said, Brother McGee, you don't know how grateful I am for you, and I promise you that. I, um, uh, as time progresses and as uh, life takes its course, uh, there, there, there are times that um, there are those that we have relied upon, those that we have um, been close to through the years, and they have just gone their way, and uh, some by death and some other ways. But it is so great to be able to uh, pick up the phone, call my friend and talk to him, uh, for two or three minutes or two or three hours. Amen. We really appreciate that. Thank you so very much to the church, church family for uh, the motel room. And it's such, uh, so wonderful. And I mean that. I rested last night just as well as I would as if I was home on a Saturday night. <clears throat> which, <laughs> which probably means we don't rest a lot. But, but it was on, before Sunday morning. But I promise you, I rested as well there as I would have at home. And that's that's a very rare thing, and I thank you for that. Lord bless you for being so very, very kind. And the food and the fellowship, the ability to get with my good friend and uh, Pastor McGee, we thank very, very highly of this family. I want to thank the McGee family. Thank you for allowing us to share your mom and dad on this 50th anniversary. Now listen, I know that's a big thing. I, my mother and my father pastor for 41 years, and we shared them with that church and that church family all that time. And for you to allow me to come in and be a part of this and to share what we shared yesterday with this great, wonderful family. My, you are, you are truly blessed, amen, in the presence of the Lord, and, and we are so grateful to God for that. I want to turn your attention this evening to the book of Psalm, chapter 126. Psalm, chapter 126. And I will read in your hearing this evening just the first three verses of that chapter. And then in the book of Joshua, chapter number 6, I would like to read several verses of Scripture there, and I feel like the Lord laid this message upon my heart, and I feel like 
it would be appropriate to preach it to this church this evening. Amen. The Lord bless you. All I want to do today, amen, is be a blessing to this wonderful church. I promise you. That's all I want to do. Amen. I want to build you up. I want to lift you up. I want to talk to you about what the scripture says. In the book of Psalm 126, verse 1 through 3. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 6, first five verses. Joshua, chapter 6, the first five verses. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Verse number 11. So the ark of the Lord can pass the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they can pass the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and can pass the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they can pass the city seven times. Verse number 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox, and sheep, and ass, with the edge of the sword. With the help of the Lord this evening, I'd like to take for a thought and preach to you my heart from this subject, circling, circling the promise. Circling the promise. Walk around the promise. Amen. Get a good grasp on the promise. Take a good look at the promise. Let's circle the promise. Would you lay down your Bibles, lift up your hearts, lift up your hands, lift up your heads toward heaven. Amen. Would you invite the presence of the Lord to help us? Thank you, we praise you, we glorify you. God, I pray now, just use us for your glory. Let's be vessels of honor, Lord, to this great people. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Take us where we ought to go today. We give you all the glory, give you all the praise. In Jesus' great and wonderful name, and all the people said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated, circling the promise. According to Jewish history, his name was Honai. He was an eccentric old sage who lived just outside the city walls of Jerusalem. He was a man that was well respected among his peers. As a matter of fact, they saw him as a great man of wisdom. They saw him as a great man of knowledge. They saw him also that even in troublesome and quarrelsome and catastrophic times that 
he would dare to pray. They loved him because he was a man of great knowledge. They respected him because he was a great man of wisdom. And they also saw in him that even in the most troublesome times that he would dare to pray. It was the first century B.C., a whole generation, as it were, amen, before Jesus Christ would come upon the scene. The last of the Jewish prophets had gone by the way of the grave. Matter of fact, their bodies were lying silent in the grave. Their voices that were once vibrant and strong. They were speaking boldly and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Amen. They were also extinguished for nearly four centuries. Now living in the dread silence between the uh, Old and the New Testaments, the history tells us for approximately 400 years or four centuries, there was neither the voice of God speaking by the prophets, nor was there the great miraculous move of the power of God all of those things, the supernatural manifestation of God was only a distinct and distant memory of what might have happened in a forgotten, miraculous past. Yet, Hone, I believe that even if the people could no longer hear from God, that there was, a, in fact, a God, hear me now, that could still hear the people. Amen. He believed that though we might not be hearing from God, that there was still a God that could, in fact, hear the people. The Midrash, which is a Jewish collection of rabbinical storytelling that explores, as it were, the ethics and the values that are found in biblical texts, tells us that for all of his life, this particular man was mesmerized with this one passage of Scripture in the book of Psalm, chapter number 126 and verse number 1 that would say, Amen. That the Lord again, when the Lord again turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. For all of his life, an aged man began to focus upon that one passage of Scripture and say, well, what does that mean to me in this catastrophic time, within, within this troublesome time? What might it mean, amen, that when Zion's captivity was turned again, we were like them that dreamed, amen. When the Lord restored, as it were, the fortunes of Zion, and please understand that that hill called Zion was the place upon which David, amen, and Solomon would build, build that temple, amen. And the Ark of the Covenant would reside there and the glory of the Lord would be upon that place and God would speak, amen, out from that Ark of the Covenant, amen, in that Holy of Holies in that particular place. Hear me today, amen. He said, uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like individuals who dreamed, though they were struggling, though they were existing, though they were literally just surviving, amen, in a particular era of time where the voice of God was not heard. Now listen to me. Amen. It's one thing for us to go through one service or two or three or perhaps a week or a month or in that deep dark trial for perhaps month upon month, but to consider the fact that the voice of God had not been heard through the centuries, that there was not a man of God with the voice of God and that there was no manifest presence of God and the miraculous moving of the supernatural of God and the absence of miracles and the absence of the voice of God coupled with the fact in his lifetime that there was in fact around about him a drought that had plagued the entire area of Jerusalem for more than one year. Yet this elder man, this story says, dreamed a dream and day by day he imagined and day by day he would believe that there would yet come a day that the Lord God from heaven would speak. He believed and he dreamed that there would yet come a day when the heavens would be open. He dreamed a dream that there would yet come a day that God would answer the prayer. He dreamed a dream that there would yet come a day when the blessings of God would fall from the sky and the miraculous would be visited upon his people one more time. Amen. From out of the pit of hell in which they existed, one man believed 
in an era of time for four centuries in which God is not heard. And miracles, amen, are not rampant and, and uh, plentiful in that particular place. This man still believed with death and dying all around about him, with famine and pestilence and disease. Amen. When all the grass withered up, amen, and the rivers were no more, and the creeks were dry, and the ponds were dry, and the cattle were dying, amen, and the camels were dying, and the sheep were dying in the midst of a horrific drought, in the midst of a day and a time when God was not heard and the miraculous was not seen. This humble man, amen, that lived in a humble abode, amen, came into the town that day uh, holding only a six-foot staff in his hand and a prayer of faith in his heart. The story says that he walked within the strict and city of Jerusalem and with the tip of that six-foot staff, he began to draw a circle in the ground. With that six-foot staff, he began to make, as it were, an imprisonment of his own with the tip of that six-foot staff. An elder man who would dare believe, amen, that there is yet coming a day when God is going to hear our voice. There is yet coming a day, amen, when the miraculous power of this great God of heaven will be seen and the heavens will open up. He drew a circle around about himself and imprisoned himself in the face of the people in the parts drowned. Oh, neither but this story says, begin to turn like a compass. He never looked to see who was gathered around him. He never looked to see that there was a crowd of perhaps hundreds and then perhaps thousands of people, men, women, and children who had gathered around him. Curiously, they watched him as that old man with a circular motion began to imprison himself in that circle that he drew upon the ground and then he dropped to his knees and he raised his hand to heaven. And like Elijah of old, the prophet that looked up to God with a simple prayer and prayed down fire from heaven. Oh, I, amen. But now with his head bowed, in humility, begin to pray unto that same God of heaven that Elijah prayed to. And now he prayed, oh God, we don't need the fire, but we certainly need the rain of heaven. And with authority in his voice, with a loud and steady tone, nay man, not with a hint or a tint of doubt within him, from out of the depth of his soul, with his head still bowed, amen, flowed these words from his lips. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. In front of those people, an old man drew a circle with a tip of his staff, and he bowed down before them all, and he bowed his head before God, and he said, Oh God of the universe, I swear to you that I will not leave this circle until you answer from heaven. I will not leave this circle until I hear your voice. I will not leave this circle until the miraculous that we once knew begins to move around us. One more time. Amen. Hear me today. His prayer sent a shudder down the spine of all those hundreds and perhaps thousands that gathered around him that day. It was said that his prayer was resolute. It said, amen, that his prayer in his prayer was confident. He was certain of his prayer. And he was certain of the God unto whom he prayed. It was resolute. It means it was fixed. He was determined. I've drawn a circle in the ground. And I'm not going to leave this circle until you hear me. And until I know that you have heard me. Amen. Until you answer from heaven. Until that holy power of the miraculous move of God moves in this place again. And oh God, you do something about this drought. It is said that he was patient and faith believing. He was submissive and open to the will of God. He was faithfully expectant. Amen. And believe that when I pray that God hears me in spite of 
four centuries, 400 years of no miracle. In spite of four centuries, when nobody, amen, prophesied the word of God. Here's an older man standing between the testaments and said, I've got enough faith to believe, amen, that God is going to hear me and that God is going to answer my prayer. Witnesses to that scene that day said that no sooner did those words reach, amen, the sky when raindrops that had not fallen for a year began to fall from the sky. Witnesses said those thousands of people gathered around, amen, that one man who would dare to pray, amen. Witnesses said when he prayed that prayer, an audible gasp went up from that crowd. And when it began to rain from heaven, amen, my, the people looked up toward heaven and they raised their hands toward heaven. Amen. They lifted their voices up toward heaven. And somebody said, I think that I felt a raindrop. Amen. And somebody else said, oh, I think I felt a raindrop. And then over here, somebody else said, oh, it was a raindrop. It's falling down my face and it's on my hair and it's on my hands. And the rain began to fall. Amen. From the sky. And yet Honai's head was still bowed in the circle, still believing God, still looking to God with great reverence. While all the people began to rejoice, all the people began to shout a great shout, still kneeling in the circle, not satisfied with just a little sprinkle, not satisfied with just a little shower. Amen. With a thousand voices that are now rejoicing. It's raining. It's raining from the sky. This elder gentleman, amen, he's still bowed before God. And with a voice that's lifted up over and above this celebration, he prayed again. And he said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns and rain that will fill pits and rains that will fill caverns. Witnesses said when he prayed, Eyewitnesses say that the sprinkles became faster and faster. They became larger in size and they grew in intent in abundance until the raindrops, none of them were smaller than the size of an egg of a chicken. It rained so hard and so steady, amen, so heavily that the people feared in many ways for their life. Amen, they were in a low place. They looked to that hill from whence cometh the help. And many of them decided, we've got to get to the Temple Mount because it's raining like we've never seen it rain. And it filled the valleys, and it filled the caverns, and it filled the pits. And they were running while they were rejoicing. The blessing of God coming down so powerful. we got to get to the Temple Mount. <laughs> Yet Honai remained. He stayed in that circle, bowed down before God. Humble within that circle. They had scratched out of the dry ground. And once more he lifted up his voice toward heaven. And he further refined his bold request. And he said unto God, Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, rain of your blessings, and rain of your graciousness. No sooner had he prayed that prayer, eyewitnesses again would say, Suddenly like a summer shower, it began to rain calmly and peaceably. That rain that came down in great massive, amen, raindrops as big as an egg, amen, began to fall off rain so graciously. And for hours, it began to rain upon the area. And the drought was turned upside down. The rain continued on. And the crowd began to go back, amen, to their homes. They dispersed and an old man, amen, returned to that humble hovel on the outskirts of Jerusalem. One man with a dream, that's all it took. One man, hear me today, in the midst of catastrophe. One man in the midst of loss. One man that said, I will not leave this circle until you answer me. One man that said, I am not going to leave this place, oh God, until you hear me. One man that would say, oh God, I'm not leaving this circle today. Amen, until you answer this prayer. Until I see the powerful manifestation of the move of the Spirit of God. 
One man that believed in the promise of God. One man that believed in the word of God. One man that would encircle himself completely in a circle. Now hear me today, vowing not to leave it until heaven opens up with a storehouse of abundance and blessing. Amen. Magnanimous and wonderful and powerful. One man with no escape hatch. He didn't leave himself any room. He didn't say, oh God, I'm going to stay here for 30 minutes. Amen. I'm going to give you 30 minutes to hear me. And I'm going to give you 30 minutes to answer my prayer. And he said, God, I'm, I'm drawing this circle. And I'm not going to leave this circle. Amen. Until I hear from you. I'm not going to leave this circle. And I'm going to pray as long as it takes. Amen. And I'm going to pray as hard as it takes. And I'm going to pray until I know that I've been heard from heaven. Amen. Because I want to hear your voice. And I want a manifestation of the powerful move of your spirit. Hear me today. He didn't have any escape clause. He didn't put a limitation on it. He didn't put an expiration date on it like we do. He didn't say, well, God, I'll put this limitation on it. You do it when I say how I say, when I say what I want to say. He didn't put a limitation on it. He just petitioned God and said, oh, God, amen, make her the universe. Amen, I'm not going to leave this place until you answer my prayer. Amen, no, there were no ifs, there were no ors, there were no maybe so's. Amen, no expiration date. Amen, on his prayer. He believed, and as he backed himself in that circle, that the only way he was going to get out, amen, he backed himself in the circle, and he said, the only way that I'm going to get out of this now is by a miracle of God. I'm talking to apostolics today. I wonder if you would dare, amen, to back yourself into a circle. I wonder if you would dare, amen, with a hand of faith, draw a circle around about you, and imprison yourself, amen, with God, and say, I'm not leaving this place until you move. I'm not leaving this place until I hear an answer from God. I'm not leaving this place. I'm putting no limitation on it. I'm putting no expiration date on it. Amen. I'm putting nothing on it but the will, the purpose, the plan of the Almighty God. I think probably those that were gathered around about that day, I doubt that all of them were apostolic. I doubt that all of them were one God, Jesus' name, baptized, amen, in the Spirit, amen, filled with the Holy Ghost. I imagine some of them around there were coming just for the show. They told me in days gone by, in apostolic days, people used to come just for the show. Amen. They used to hang out the windows. Amen. They used to drive down the street. Amen. They did that. They came, amen, to our service because they wanted to see the show. They wanted somebody, amen, that would jump and shout. They wanted to hear somebody call upon the name of God. They wanted to see somebody that believed, amen, that when I call upon him, he will hear me when I pray. I imagine that some of them got together and said, hey, Amen, look at that crazy old man, mama. Another guy would say, hey, pal. Amen, look at that old coot over there. Do you believe what he's doing? How crazy and foolish can a guy be? But then you've got to ask yourself this question. Isn't faith the willingness to appear foolish? I don't know that you heard me tonight. You must ask yourself the question when you look at this old man drawing a circle in him and imprisoning himself and saying, I'm not leaving this circle until you do something, God. Amen. You might consider him to be an old fool. You might say, man, he's an old coot. Amen. He don't know where he is, where he's been, what he's doing. But I'm asking you again the question. Doesn't faith, amen, in the scripture appear foolish to those who don't believe in God? Don't we have an example in the scripture of those who believe God and trusted God for the unimaginable? And people said, you're the biggest fool in the world. You got to admit at least this much with me. Oh, now you at least look like a fool. I mean, when he came, amen, with that staff, and he began to draw that circle, people began to wonder, what in the world is this guy doing? 
And when he prayed before heaven, it's as dry as a bone, hadn't rained for one year, and a man would dare to ask God, amen, a man would dare to say, God, we need to move, and I'm not moving from here until the time that you move. Amen, don't you know, home now, you're an old man. You might just have weeks. You might have months. You might have a few years left, but brother, you might be signing your own death warrant. You might be putting no escape hats. You might be here for the rest of your life. Doesn't that appear just a little bit foolish to you? But then we think about Noah. What kind of a fool would build a boat in the middle of nowhere? Amen, beside no river, not beside the Mississippi. Amen, not beside even the creek. Amen, not even beside the ocean. Because sometimes faith just appears to be a little bit foolish. And what kind of a fool do you think little David was when as a teenager he would march out there in the face of a great big old giant that stood about 10 foot tall, a warrior, a champion from Gath of the Philistines with a sword and a spear and a shield. Here's a little boy that runs out there only with a slingshot and five stones. What kind of a fool would do something like that? And then I think about the wise guys. Or I'm thinking about the magi that came from the east. How dumb do you think it is to follow a star halfway around, amen, the continent and say, I believe that there's a king going to be born here and only God knows where, but I'm willing to follow this star, amen, high and low, up and down through famine, amen, through drought, amen, through pestilence, whatever it takes, I'm following this star. And where is this king that was born? The king of the Jews. And Peter, are you kidding me? Amen, are you actually going to step out of that boat? Amen, are you, are you kidding me? Are you really willing to say to the Lord, amen, if it's really you, Jesus, why don't you bid me come? What kind of a fool do you really, amen, think that you are? And Jesus, do you really think, amen, that you look like a king? Do you really think that you appear to be a king? Amen. When you have that, that sandal feet and that dusty robe and those calloused hands that you have, do you really think that you look like a king with a crown of thorns upon your head? But I want to tell you that where men dare to step out in faith, where they would dare to place themselves smack dab at the mercy of God with no way out but a miracle. You got to listen to me now. Whenever anybody in faith would place themselves smack dab in the middle of a circle and say, I'm not leaving here until you do something. And the only way out is a miracle. That's when God sees our faith and that's when God responds when there ain't nothing else that can be done. Amen. When you quit relying upon your strength, when we quit relying upon the world, when we quit relying upon the things of this world, when you put it all at the feet of God, I promise you before God, God will answer. Amen. So when I prayed a prayer to save an entire generation and saved his whole area from drought, and Noah built a boat to save his whole family. Amen. Hear me now from the flood. And David slung a rock from a sling and saved the whole nation. And Peter walked on the water, and all those other guys were left dumbfounded in the boat and thought, I wish I could become a fool for Jesus. And the wise men discovered the Christ child, and Jesus wore a crown that saved the whole world. To those who understand not the dynamic power that's encased and enthroned in the act of prayer, all of our petitions, all of our supplications appear as foolishness to the world. They appear as vanity. They appear as silliness. And yet even they are forced to admit there must be some reason why Daniel would rather spend a night with the lions than to miss one day of prayer. There's got to be some reason that this prophet in the Old Testament would say, I'm willing to spend a night in the den with the lions, but I ain't going to ever spend a day without prayer. And you can't make me spend a day without prayer. 
I don't care what you threaten me. I don't care the circumstance. I don't care the situation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, king. I'll go to that den of lions. But there ain't no way you're ever going to keep me from praying. Prayer in Elijah's day brought to life, amen, the widow's son, and he revived. In the Old Testament, Elijah prayed. A man of like passions like we are. And the Bible said it rained not for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the heavens opened up. The Bible said Moses prayed. He interceded for a whole nation and he turned God's wrath away. The Bible said Hezekiah prayed when he was about to end his life. And God heard his prayer. Now listen to me. And he got back 15 years of his life from one prayer. The prayer of the New Testament church, amen, freed Peter from a prison. Joshua's prayer caused both the sun and the moon to stand still in the sky. Elijah's prayer brought fire down from heaven, amen, and burned up a sacrifice and turned the whole nation back to God. Israel prayed while they were in captivity. Amen. The Bible said that prayer ascended up to heaven and God said, I have heard their cry, but that ain't the end of it. He said, I am coming down. Amen. Because I've heard their prayer. Amen. They prayed unto me and I'm going to do something about it. Amen. It ascended up to heaven. When that prayer ascended up to heaven, God said, I'm coming down. Amen. I'm talking about prayer today. I'm talking about the powerful, amen, powerful work of prayer. I'm talking about what prayer can do. Hear me today. I've heard their cry. I've heard their prayer. And I'm coming down. Seven times in the book of Judges, the people cried out. And seven times God answered their prayer. And seven times God sent them a deliverer. One prayer turned back a weak and defeated, blinded, binded, and grinded Samson into one war machine who slew more in his death, amen, than he did in his entire life because of one prayer. I wish somebody help me tonight. Amen. Amen. I want somebody to help me tonight. Amen. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Prayer brought, amen, Baron Hannah's womb back to life, and she birthed the child. Amen. Prayer gave Solomon entrance into the very storehouse of God's wisdom, into the storehouse of God's blessing, in the storehouse of God's riches, in the storehouse of position, and in the storehouse of power. Prayer opened the eyes of Elisha's servant until he saw the mountains full of the chariots and the horses of fire all around about him. Until he understood greater is they are they that with are with us than they that are with them. The prayer of Isaiah. Amen. Turned the sundial backwards 10 degrees. So I took the liberty, amen, to Google it and I find out just how many minutes is 10 degrees anyway. Every degree is four minutes. You multiply that by 10 and the Bible said that Hezekiah's prayer, or Isaiah's prayer rather, caused the sundial to go backwards, amen, for 40 minutes. Listen to me now. For two-thirds of an hour, amen, his prayer, amen, ground this, this earth as it were to a halt and turned it backwards by one man's prayer. Amen. Don't tell me it's fancy. Don't tell me it's foolishness. Amen. I'm going to tell you today that prayer can change the world. Prayer can turn the world upside down. The Bible said prayer got David out of his distress and put him in a place. Amen. Of victory. Prayer. Amen. Of Daniel. Amen. Brought Gabriel, the messenger of God, down from heaven and gave him the answer and gave him an understanding of the time. Amen. Listen now. We need an understanding of the times. Amen. We need to pray to God. Oh God, I need you to give me the answer for my life. Just day by day tell me where to go, how to walk, what to say, what to do. Amen. Hear me now. The prayer, amen, brought Jesus, amen, to the house of a Gentile woman and there he healed her daughter of demonic possession. Hear me now. Through prayer, Jesus took five little loaves and, and two fishes and he blessed it and he prayed it and he gave it to the multitude and there was left 12 baskets full. One prayer, amen, touched heaven and God moved. God heard the miraculous can move God. 
Peter prayed, and a little girl by the name of Tabitha, who was dead, arose. In the book of James, chapter number 5, amen, we read this story from this great man, this apostle, James chapter number 5, amen, and verse number 16 and 17. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't know if you've ever read that. Has it ever opened up, amen, your understanding? If you want to be healed, amen, look to somebody else. Amen, we're a body. Hey, listen, if I took a hammer today, I've been a carpenter for a long time, for 40 years, and I can promise you, if you really blast your finger like I have before and tore about half of it off, amen, it's not just your finger that hurts. Your whole body is hurt. The Bible wants you to understand that you cannot hurt your spouse, you can't hurt your husband, you can't hurt your wife, you can't hurt the person across the way without hurting yourself. We're all tied together. Amen. We're one family, one body. And the Bible says, pray one for another that you might be healed. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm telling you is this. When the powerful virtue of the anointing of God and the healing of God begins to flow, man, it just don't stop with you. Man, it just don't stop with your family. We're interconnected. It begins to move in the whole church, husband and wife and children and family and cousins and uncles and aunts and church body. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Elias was a man subject to like passions. That just means weaknesses. But we look at the Bible and say, yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. I'm me and they were they. And he was he. And obviously he had this great position and power with God. And God heard him, but I'm not sure God hears me. Elias was a man of like passions, like weaknesses. He got up some days and he didn't even feel like a prophet. I guarantee you every one of these ministers have got up on a Sunday morning when they were scheduled to stand in this pulpit and they got up and faced the day and said, Dear God, I don't even feel like a preacher. There's days I stand in the pulpit and I don't. I feel a, a whole lot less than a pastor, I promise you. But we get up here in faith and we believe God and we stand in the word of God. We say, God, amen, I'm standing in this circle. Amen, I'm going to speak your word until you show up. I'm asking you to bless this thing. I'm asking you to bless this church. I'm asking you to bless your word. And if we'll stand in faith. Amen. He was a man subject like passions and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth by the space of Three years and six months, and he prayed again. The Lord gave rain. Second Chronicles, we all know the scripture. Second Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 14 and 15. Do you know it? Amen. If my people. I'm not talking about people that ain't his people. I'm not talking about people that don't know nothing about God and don't care nothing about God and don't believe in his great word. I'm not talking about denominations or churches here, there, and everywhere. I don't know nothing about no other people in this town. They might be the greatest people. There might be 50 churches in this town just like this church. But I know about this church because I know who stands in this pulpit. And I know about this church because I know who stood in this pulpit. And I know about this church because I know some of you. Hear me today. Amen. Listen to me today. If my people, amen, which are called by my name, you know God has a name. Amen. God has a name. And it ain't just Son, and it ain't just Holy Ghost, and it ain't Father. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. According to Scripture, Jesus. Amen. Is Jeho Jehovah who has become our Savior. Yes. God has a name. And His name is Jesus. And the Bible said, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Because he's the savior of the world. He came to take away our sin. He came to exchange places with us, friend. He came to pay your debt, to make you free. Amen. To give you his blessings, his hope, and his glory today. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray. 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. No, I don't, I don't think we heard that. If my people that are called by my name, I'm not talking to nobody else but God's people. This scripture ain't for nobody else but God's people. This scripture ain't for Washington, D.C. This scripture is not for the Oval Office. This scripture is not for the White House. This scripture has nothing to do, amen, with the legislative branch. It has nothing to do with Congress, amen, whether it's a Democrat or Republican Congress. It has obviously nothing to do with the Supreme Court of the United States of America. God did not say if those Supreme Court justices will pray and seek my face. He said if my people that are called by my name. We're all worried about what Washington, D.C. will do and what Washington, D.C. won't do. It don't make no difference what Washington, D.C. does. But it makes a world of difference what the church of Jesus Christ does. I kind of look at it this way. If you will, I will. But if you won't, I won't. If it's a conditional word that means if you will do this, this is what I will do. And he said, I will heal your land. I'll save your children. I'll save the lost. I'll heal the sick. I'll pour out my spirit. In James chapter 4, verse number 2, we are encouraged, amen, by that apostle, amen, to continue to pray. When he said, you lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not. Pretty simple. Pastor talked this morning about complexity and simplicity and simplicity and complexity. This is pretty simple, but it's complex. I don't know when we're going to get it through our head, you and me, and I'm going to put myself right along with all the other apostolics. The simple fact is, you don't have what you need. Hey, when you're war and you're fighting, you're trying to get it, you go work 60 hours a week, and you can't understand why things aren't put together. And I'll tell you why it don't happen, because you don't ask God for it. Man, I love my church. It's a great church. Dad pastored for 41 years. Man, he preached, amen, for 41 years the same thing. But there's still a, a, some people in my church that don't understand what it means to give to God. There's still people in my church that don't understand, amen, if you're a tight wad, amen, everything God puts in your hand, you grab a hold of it as tight as you can, amen, God can't put no more in your hand. But if you'll open up your hand and let God just put it in there and give it away, amen, God will keep putting in your hand, amen. He'll give you what you have need of. There's an endless supply of the blessings of God. Amen. God owns more than all the gold at Fort Knox. God owns all the, amen, the diamonds, amen, in South Africa. God owns it all. I don't want to deviate long because I got a ways to go. But I felt like long ago when it came to finances, we had four children. There was times in our life that I had to run through the house like probably Brother McGee, you and your wife had to do. There were times that I had to run through the house and find enough quarters to rub together to go buy a gallon of milk for my children. And I struggled and I worked. Amen. And I put myself to the task. And one day God told me, he said to me, I don't say that God speaks to me every day, brother. I'm not like some of them say, well, you know, I'm, I'm in such a relationship with God. He calls me Joe and I call him friend. I'm not talking about that. But he spoke me uh, one day and he said, Joe, I can give you more than you can make. No, I don't think you heard me. <laughs> I don't think you heard me. 
The Lord spoke to me one day when I was frustrated. I'm working hard. I've got four children. We're trying to make it happen. I'm killing myself. Amen. I'm pastoring. I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm beaten down. I'm telling you today, I'm weary and I'm worn. And God spoke to me and said, Joe, I can give you more than you could ever make. Oh, God. Oh, help me open up my vessel. Help me open up my life. Give it, Lord. Amen. I want to be willing to share it. Amen. I, I tell you, amen. I, I've really never been, I've never been one of those kinds of guys that tried to hold on to the blessing of God. When a missionary came through, brother, I was willing to give. Amen. When our evangelists come through, and I'm not saying this for anything, but I didn't want them leaving my place with not enough money to get to the next town. I didn't ever want an evangelist to come my way and say, hey, that man's a tightwad. That man's a cheapskate. I wanted them to go out of their blessed because they came in the will and the purpose of God. Amen. They came to bless the people. If my people humble himself but you have not because you war you fight you tussle amen you're trying to make it happen you're trying to amen force something to happen it just can't happen that way but if you just let go and let God if you just do what God says to do and I know this this ain't normal for an evangelist like me to come and say hey, hey but, but the plan of giving to the church is still in the book amen the plan of saying hey I'm going to give back to God amen on my increase Well, it's as much in the book as anything else. Well, you must be born again. You must repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that, but it's also in the book. You better not rob God. I told my folk, you'd be better off. I don't even know what I'm saying. This ain't even my notes at all. Amen. I told my folks, I said, let me tell you something. You'd be better off to go buy a gun, an AK-47, or an AR-15. I don't really know what they are. Forgive me. I, don't, I ain't packing, I probably never will because I'm scared I'll hurt myself. That's right, but for all you that are, thank God for you. Just don't show it to me. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? I tell you, amen. It still says it. It still says that we are to give of God our increase. It still says we're to give God that, that 10% right off the top. It still says we're supposed to give tithe and offering and we're not supposed to rob God. And if you don't give to God, you're robbing God. So I told the folk, you better go, you'd be better off to go buy the biggest gun you could buy and go to the region's bank, the biggest bank in the area with the most money in the vault and go in there, amen, and hold them up and say, give me all your money than to not give God what God's due is. Man, you crazy. Man, you're just crazy. And I'm not trying to be mean to you. If you're not going to give back to God what God gave you, He's going to curse the other 90%. And that's the way it works. You can do no more on 90% that God blesses than with 100% that's cursed. Because when you don't give it to God, God curses your income. And it's like a bag with holes. It just keeps falling right out the box. And I've got folk in my church just can't never figure it out. And I keep banging my head against the wall, Pastor. Amen, I keep telling them, open up your hand and let God bless you and bless the work of God and God's abundant blessings are full and they are free. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, also wrote these words. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Did you hear me? When you come to the king, make big petitions with you that you bring. For his grace and his power so much, none can ever ask too much. Listen, with all this promise, with all this power, 
with all these examples of Scripture that are lying like diamonds at our feet. The question that begs for an answer is this. Why don't we pray? That's the question. Why don't we? What is it about us? We have all this. We, we hoop, we shout, we holler. Why is it that for the most part we have not because we ask not? Why don't we pray? In a short story that was entitled The City of Everywhere, the story says that a man arrives in a cold city one morning, and as soon as he gets off the train, he looks around the station, and he sees it's like any other train station anywhere in the United States of America except for one thing, and he noticed it right away. Everybody was barefoot. Nobody was wearing shoes. He thought that was odd when he went out to the street trying to hail a cab, and he noticed that the cab driver himself was barefoot. And he said, pardon me, sir. I was just wondering, why don't you wear shoes? Don't you believe in shoes? And the cab driver said, well, sure we do. And the man said, well, the stranger said, well, why don't you wear them then? And the cab driver explained, ah, that's the question. Why don't we wear shoes? Why don't we? At the hotel, it was like the same. He went into the lobby. There were people sitting around the lobby, and he noticed nobody's wearing shoes. Everybody's barefoot. He walked into the restaurant. He sat down at a table. He saw a nice-looking gentleman at a table opposite him. He says, you know, I noticed that you aren't wearing any shoes. I wonder, don't you know about shoes? To which the man replied, of course I know about shoes. And then he asked, the stranger asked, then why don't you wear them? And the man said, ah, that is the question. Why don't we wear shoes? Why don't we wear shoes? After breakfast, he walks out onto the street. He's walking in the snow, and he notices not one person is wearing shoes. Everybody is barefoot. And he asks another man. He stops him on the street, stops him in the cold, and he says, don't you know the shoes will keep you from the cold? And the man said, oh, we know all about shoes. You see that building over there? That, in fact, is a shoe factory. We gather there every week, all together. We gather under the main man where he tells us about the wonder of shoes. Every week we go, and he tells us about shoes, and he tells us about what shoes will do, how wonderful they are, how marvelous they are, and what they would benefit our life. And the stranger said, then why don't you wear shoes? And the barefoot man answers, ah, that's the question. That is the question. Hmm. Why don't we wear shoes? And he scratched his head again and pondered, why don't we wear shoes? And the story ends, the questions and the ponderings that that evokes takes quite a toll on our puny carnal mentalities. And so I went to a church one day, much like all the other churches I had ever visited, and I noticed everyone was prayerless. Nobody prayed. And so I asked, sir, ma'am, young person, lady, you there, don't you believe in prayer? And the answer came back, why, sure we do. To which I would ask with a puzzled fray, then why, why don't you pray? They all respond together in one massive chorus, this refrain, ah, 
That is the question. That is the question. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? And then I hear a voice thunder from heaven. Jesus, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Matthew 21, 22, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. John 5, 14, 15, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. 1 Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Jeremiah 29, 12, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and you shall have them. Jeremiah 33 and 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 144, 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him and all that call upon him in truth. John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. James 4, 2, you lust, you have not, you kill, you desire to have, and you cannot obtain, and you fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. Ah, that is the question. Why don't we pray? And with all that and more lying at our door, amen, we ask the question. And the preacher asks, ah, why don't you pray? And the people answer, ah, preacher, that's the question. Why don't we? Why don't we pray? In response to that question, I felt like the Lord gave me, for all practical purposes, these words in my spirit, and I wrote them down. For all the troubles that we daily face, for all the heartaches that dog this way called grace, for all our children lost and undone, for all, all our sorrows one by one, for our sicknesses, pain, and grief, for all our long nights in need of relief, for all our lonely darkest hours, for all of our fightings against Satan's powers, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Oh, preacher, that's the question. The story of this miracle at Jericho is a microcosm. I, I gotta go fast. That establishes for us the pattern to follow in order to conquer our own personal Jericho. If there's something that you need in your life that, need to, that walls need to fall down, you say, Pastor, well, I know I have a promise from God, but, but you don't understand the walls and the barriers. And I just can't get there. But this story is a microcosm. It tells us what we need to do, amen, for the walls to fall down. For the Israelites, Jericho represented their promise, amen. But it was a 400-year-old promise that God gave their forefather Abraham. Abraham, amen, God said, wherever you're going to walk, amen, I'm going to give you that land. They're standing now at the gate, amen. I want you to know that God's promises never die. They never pass away. They never grow old. They're never stamped with an expiration date. The overall main story, the simple message of this entire story is as simple as ABC, and I'm going to tell you what it is today. 
that if you will keep circling the promise, God will ultimately give you the city. This is as simple as ABC. If you will just keep circling your promise. God promised Israel, I'm going to give you every square inch, amen, that Abraham walked on. And in faith, Abraham walked across that land. Amen. He said, God is going to give this land to my children. 400 years later, they stand at the gate of Jericho, that first barrier for them to enter into that great land of promise. But it's barricaded by walls. And you say, well, the walls, Pastor, have existed for years, even decades. They've existed my whole entire lifetime. Try as I may, I've never really been able to get past the walls. Amen. What we've got to do is circle the promise that God made us. Do you know that circles have no point of beginning and have no point of end? And so as ministers, when a young couple stands before us, and they take that ring and we put that, and they put that on their finger. We say the circle is an emblem of eternity with no beginning and no ending. And it's a symbol of love. As love really has no beginning because God is love. And it has no ending. If we're in Christ and Christ is in us, amen, the love that we can have one for another. I don't care. This, this ain't. This ain't part of it, but I got to tell you, I don't care what trouble you're having in your marriage. I don't care, amen, if the barriers are high. I don't care if it looks like your marriage is going to fall apart. I am telling you, if you'll keep marching around that promise, I'm telling you, if you'll keep believing in God, I'm telling you that God wants your marriage to survive. I'm telling you that God wants your marriage to thrive. If you'll keep marching around that promise, God's going to give you what you ask for. As a circle doesn't have a point of beginning, doesn't have a point of ending. So has to be our continuous attitude and action toward God's promise. I was intrigued the other day as I looked up the definition of circle. Webster said a circle is a complete or recurring series, usually ending as it began a cycle. A circle, hear me now, is a complete or recurring series that usually ends as it begins. Real true prayer in the scripture is like that. It is a circle. It is complete. Amen. It, it, it continues. It's a recurring series. Amen. That ends and begins in a cycle. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Never let there be a point in your Christian life where you do not pray to God. Never let there be any point in the day that you don't, amen, call upon the God of heaven and say, Lord, I'm having trouble right here. Will you help me? Amen. Lord, I want to praise you. Amen. At work, at the job, at school, at home, with our children, with our husbands, with our wives, our family. Oh, God, let there never be a point in my life where I let the cycle end. Let the circle be completed and let it end as it began. Amen. Begin it in the day with prayer and end it in the day, at uh, the end of the day with prayer. Just like a circle that has no start and has no ending. Get in this cycle with a recurring series. I'm going to pray today. Amen. If God don't answer my prayer today, I'm going to pray tomorrow. Amen. If God don't answer my prayer tomorrow, I'm going to pray the next day. I'm going to pray the next week. I'm going to pray the next month. I'm going to pray the next year. I'm going to pray the next decade. I'm going to pray the next 50 years. I'm going to pray the next 100 years if I got to. And Jesus said, Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given you. And the next verse begins to divine, define for us the circle of prayer when Jesus said, For everyone that asketh receiveth. When ETH is added to a word, it adds a whole other dimension of continuance. And what Jesus is trying to say, amen, not that we just pray once in a while, but he that prayeth. 
He that prayeth. That implies continuance. Anybody can say a little pitiful, amen, powerless, amen, empty prayer. But when God hears the prayer of an individual full of passion and earnest prayer, and they begin to call upon his name today, and they begin to call upon his name tomorrow, and they call upon his name next month, next week, next year, a continuous recurring series, a cycle, a circle of prayer. Jesus admonishes to pray, the continuing, a recurring series of prayer, completing the cycle, but calls to do so. Amen. Give us a result of another continuum. Because Jesus said, if you will dare ask, amen, in the sense of asketh, amen, a continual asking, you will receive us. What am I saying? Amen. A continual prayer bombarding heaven, amen, results in a continual receiving from God. And so we pray a little bit and we don't pray a little bit. And like the, the idea of the, 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 the harvest, amen, we, we reap what we sow. And so two years ago, I prayed this powerful prayer. And then two, two years later, I get an answer to that prayer. And I wonder, where'd that come from? And the next day, it seems like the heavens are brass. And I'm back down in the valley. And I can tell you why. Because two years ago, I prayed this powerful prayer in faith to God. Two years later, God answered it. But the very next day, back there two years ago, I didn't pray continually. I broke the circle. And the receiving part, amen, of God answering that prayer has been broken. And we say, oh, God, what happened to me? God, where you at? Amen. Where did I, where, where did I go wrong? I'll tell you where we went wrong. We have not because we ask not. To him that asketh, he receiveth a continual onslaught, a bombardment of the blessing, amen, of God each and every day of our life. Oh, I got to go. Amen. I got to get with it here. In the parable of the unjust judge, Jesus' main objective is laid out for us in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse number one. And I'm circling the airport. But let me warn you, it's a big airport. <laughs> a lot of runway. But, but I'm getting closer. But then again, I was closer after I said my first 10 words. Amen. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. What's this parable about, Pastor? I'm going to tell you what it's about. Jesus introduced it in the very first verse. The whole reason behind this parable of the unjust judges is simply this. It is, again, complexity and simplicity and simplicity and complexity. That men ought always to pray and not faint. That there should never be a time in our lives that we fail to pray. That there should never be anything that happens in our life that we fail to pray to God about. Nothing too little, nothing too big, nothing too bad, nothing too sad. Nothing too dark, nothing too gloomy. Amen. Nothing too big, nothing too small. Nothing too powerful, nothing so weak. Amen. Everything we take to God in prayer. Amen. Now the Bible said when this lady came, there was a city, in that city a man who was a judge, he didn't regard God, he didn't regard man, he had no respect unto people. But the Bible said a widow in that city kept coming to him and saying, avenge me my adversary. Amen. He would not answer her for a while. But the Bible said, though he feared God and not re re regarded man, he said, this widow troubleth me. E-T-H. She didn't just trouble me one day. He didn't say, just get out of here. Amen. The bailiff didn't say, hey judge, there's this, there's this old widow lady out there. Amen, she wants you to do something for, for her. And she comes in and she troubles the judge and he never saw her again. No, sir, every day, the same time, here come this widow lady banging on the door. Hey, judge, hey, judge, hey, judge. Amen, I want you to do something about my situation. The next day, the same thing. Hey, judge, I need you to do something about my situation. Get out of here, old lady. The next day, he's, she's beating on the door. Hey, judge, I need you to do something about my situation. Next week, here she come again. Amen, as soon as the court opens, here she is banging on the door. Hey, judge, I need you to do something about my situation. 
And he said, I don't regard men. I don't care about women. I don't care about God. I don't care about right. I don't care about long. But this woman has troubled me so long. Amen. For so long. Amen. She's gotten under my skin. I'm going to avenge her lest by her continuing. Amen. She wearies me. And Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And that means right on time. He may not come when you want him, but he will always come right on time. It may not be to your liking, amen, but it'll be to his purpose and it'll be to his plan. You might say, God, I prayed you never answered. Amen, you might be five minutes, amen, from an answer from God. Amen, you might be six inches from the promise. Amen, you can't give up now. You can't quit praying now. Amen, you might just be saints of God. This church might be one more service. Amen, from the revival will turn Mount Carmel upside down. Amen. This service might be one prayer. Amen. From God. Amen. Blowing the doors off of this place and saving this city. I believe that. And the Lord said, you need to hear what the unjust judge said. Because God will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, is he really going to find a church that has enough faith and belief in him that they will actually pray to him? That's what he's talking about. The whole concept is prayer. The whole concept is, hey, will not God avenge speedily, amen, the people that begin to talk to him? And the Lord said, will the, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Will there be a people of faith that say, I'm going to pray today, I'm going to pray tomorrow? I'm going to pray next week, next month, next year. I'm going to pray when he answers. I'm going to pray when he says no. I'm going to pray when he says maybe so. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust. Amen. I'm going to put it all at the foot of the cross. Amen. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to talk to God because I realize that sometimes I simply do not have because, amen, I ask not. God spoke the promise four centuries before. Abraham, everywhere you walk, I'm going to give you your seed, this land. Now Israel stands at the gate of Jericho, a city nobody can get to and in and nobody can leave. Logic of war strategy would dictate the necessity of determining the weakest point of the wall and the fortification. How are we going to get in? Somebody said, this is our first option. Let's, let's punch a hole through the wall. Let's just punch a hole through the wall. Let's go through one man at a time. There's a problem with that. What happens on the other side of the war strategy says, what happens if everybody in the army on the inside waits for you on the other side of that wall one by one? That might not be the smartest thing to do. Punch a hole through the wall. Let's rethink this. Somebody says, well, if we can't punch through the wall, why don't we see if we can climb over the wall? Somebody said, hey, it might be we climb up one rope at a time. The whole white army, the whole army of the world might be on the inside of that wall, and they might be waiting for you one at a time and cut every one of you down. Well, if we can't go through and we can't go over, perhaps we can go under. And the strategist said, well, the same thing might happen. Amen. You can climb over, you can climb under, but there's only one thing that's going to work, and it's going to be God's way. Where the plans of men fail, God's plans always succeed. And before Israel and Joshua were victorious, Joshua first was met, amen, and kept the Passover. In Joshua 5 and 10, just outside the city in the plains of Jericho, amen, where the, the people could see Jericho. The Bible says plainly that the people of Israel kept the Passover. What does that mean? They went back to the slaying of the lamb. They went back to the power, amen, of the lamb of God. They went back to the power and the promise of the blood of the lamb. If Jesus is going to die for your sin, he's also going to save you. He's also going to answer your prayer. If the Lord would do the greatest, powerful, most magnanimous, powerful work in the idea of suffering and dying, don't you think that he would be true, amen, to hear our prayer? After that Passover, the Bible plainly says in Joshua 5, 13 through 15, that Joshua had a prayer meeting, amen. Could I read it? 
And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And verse number 14. And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord, I'm come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Verse number 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off of thy foot, for the place where thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Take your shoe off. You're a servant of the Most High God. You're in the presence of the Most High God. You've got to circle, amen, this city. One time a day for six days. Amen. I've given you a promise. I'm going to give you the city. But you've got to circle the promise. One time a day for six days. Continually on the seventh day. You do it as I say to do it. Amen. The walls will come tumbling down. And the Bible plainly says in Joshua 6 and 20. When they obeyed the voice of God. When they continued, amen, to circle their promise. And they prayed in faith. They believed in the promise and the word of God. Can you hear me today? Amen. God answered that prayer. Stand with me this evening. Two weeks ago. This past Tuesday. As all of us sometimes do. Would you come to music please? Even as pastors and preachers. There's times that we get heavy. And we struggle about life. Concerning life's issues. And on that particular Tuesday night. I was facing some things in the church. Some pastoral issues that I just needed an answer for. And so I did what a lot of people do. When I pray. oftentimes I'll go outside. And it was about 11.35 at night. I just became overwhelmed. And I thought and I told my wife I'm. I'm going outside for a while. I'm going to talk to the Lord for a while. And as I normally do when I go out, I, I make my way out of my house. I go around the block. I go around Cottage Hospital. It's just a block over. And I make a figure eight pattern. Around that takes me about 15 minutes every time I go around. I think it was the second or third time around. I was on the left side of Cottage Hospital. And I began to think about the issues and the troublesome things that were happening that I needed to deal with. And I was praying to God. God, get us through this. We can't, we, the church can't suffer this. We can't go through this. God, I need an answer from you and for you and by you. I walked on, the, on that the north side of the hospital. And I, I was thinking about a situation. And all of a sudden, a couple that had come to our church three or four years ago. Amen. The Castellano family, Hispanic family, who had several young children came. were touched of God mightily. And I don't know what happened. Something happened to them, and they, they fell away, and they, they didn't come back. And I've tried to reach them oh, oh, oftentimes and talk to them and pray about them. God brought their memory at 11.35 or, or close to 12 o'clock at, at night. I, I'm walking around the hospital out of the blue. I get the picture of this family for the life of me. I cannot remember the lady's name. I walked around the hospital still praying, still thinking about them. I came around the hospital on the south side where the emergency room entry and exit is. And I looked up to the emergency room. It's now about 12, 13 in the morning. And I see a young couple come out of the emergency room with a small child about that big. I've just been a memory of this, this family. It hadn't come for three or four years. And I'm praying to God. And I'm talking to God about what's happening here. And this memory comes. And I see this man, this woman come out of the emergency room. And I thought for a moment, that looks like Benny. That looks just like Benny Castellano. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And her name came immediately to my mind, Amanda. And I, my heart began to thump and began to beat. I'd just been praying for them five minutes ago. They, their, their memory came to me out of the blue. And I was praying to God, talking to God about them. I come around the corner of the emergency room of the hospital at 12, 13 in the morning. And out of the emergency room comes this, this man and this woman who is in fact Benny and Amanda Costolano. They open the door up. The light comes on and I see them plainly. By now I'm just right in front of them. I walk over to them. He rolls the window down. He puts his hand out and he shakes my hand and he said this to me. Do you always go out and walk this late at night? 
And I said, Benny, you got to believe me. I'm telling you that God just laid you upon my heart five minutes ago. Galesburg is a town of 32, 33,000 people. There's two hospitals in Galesburg. Amen. It could have been anybody, anywhere, but God laid them on my heart, moved me to go out and pray. Amen. At the right time, the exact place and time that this couple could be there. And they came out. I saw them. I talked with them. I, I put my hand on his shoulder and said, we love you, man. I'll do anything we can do to, to get you back and we'll pray for you and we love you and I want you to come back. And I walked in the front of the car and she poked her head out the window and said, Pastor? And I said, yes, the man. And she said, Pastor, thank you. Thank you for thinking about us. And I promise from that moment on, I'm going to keep drawing a circle. And I'm going to keep putting people inside of that circle. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep believing. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. I don't know everybody in this house, and I don't know your experience with God. And it doesn't matter if you're a first-time visitor in this place or if you've had the Holy Ghost for five decades. There's an access to God in prayer that we don't get anywhere else. And God today is waiting for us to ask. If you will ask, he will give. If you will continue to ask and circle that promise, the Lord God in heaven will hear your prayer. He will answer your prayer. Some of us have children that are backslidden. Some of us have grandchildren that are not saved. Some of us have families today that are broken, scattered, and torn. Some of you don't know, perhaps, about your job and the weakness. I'm talking to you about a God that's given us a promise. If you will continue to circle your promise, God will answer your prayer. I wonder if there's some saying of God, amen, some guests, some friend today, would just like to march out of the aisle and come to the altar. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.